0: Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Morning, church, let me pray for us before we sit down. So, Lord, as we open Your Word this morning, can You open our hearts by the power of Your Holy Spirit Illuminate our minds and help us to hear and receive every good gift and every promise that you have before us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You be seated. I let down my country at the age of eight years old. The scene of the crime took place in my third grade classroom, Each morning, we had a rhythm of reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. And one day, after I was done saying the pledge, one of my crushes in third grade called me out in front of the rest of the class and said, you're doing it all wrong. Confident of my citizenship, I said, I'll do it again for you in front of everyone. So I started to say the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, invisible with liberty and justice for all. This is where my treason was revealed. My crush, who is no longer my crush, (laughs) revealed to me that the word is not invisible, but is indivisible. And the whole class laughed at me afterwards. And for a time I panicked and even wondered, am I still even American? Even to this day when I say the words, I have to look down at a sheet of paper because I still mumble that one part. (laughs) Because I was so used to the rhythm of saying it over and over again without giving it a second thought. It is easy to go through your day without giving the invisible God a second thought. Mainly because many of the things of faith are things that are invisible, right? Our souls are invisible. God is invisible. Our formation, our character, all things that are invisible we divide what was never meant to be divisible henry churchill king who was this educator in the early 1900s way ahead of his time said that we are often consumed by the overwhelming presence of the visible World, If we were to take inventory of what you think as you go throughout your day, every single day, it is most likely consumed with visible things like maintaining your life, things like brushing your teeth and making sure that school project is gone and being able to fix or build something or decorating your home or scrolling through pictures and posts. If you concern yourself with the visible things of life, you may have a really bad case of being human. And the invitation of God to every single human being is to concern yourself with not just what is visible in the world, but the realities that are invisible in our world as well. Here's how one follower of Jesus, Paul, actually described this in 2 Corinthians he said, so we aren't depressed. But even if our bodies are breaking down on the outside, the person we are on the inside is being renewed every day. Amen. And we don't focus on the things that can be seen, but on the things that can be, can't be seen. The things that can be seen don't last, but the things that can be seen are eternal how do you go about your day in a way that you are visible in seeing the invisible realities of god and this is what i want to take just two weeks to speak to it's almost like an epilogue to our earlier series of prayer and fasting how do you see the invisible work of god happening in your life And the title of this series is actually the answer to this series. We're calling it Evening and Morning. If we want to visibly see the work of God, it begins with our evenings and our mornings. To put it another way, God can be visibly seen when we let the visible world remind us of the invisible God who surrounds us. So evenings and mornings, they are created rhythms of God's creation. The first place we see this is we actually see this poetically in the very beginning story in Genesis 1. If you have a Bible with you today, I would encourage you to turn to it. Now, I got to be honest with you. We're going to go through a lot of different stories today. You may get paper cuts, okay? Okay. That is my goal, actually, today. If you don't have a Bible with you, or if you are new to faith, just know all of the words are going to be on the screen this morning. But I want to start with the very beginning, where we see poetically the morning and the evening. So we're going to start, actually, in verse 2. So the earth was complete chaos, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light and there was light and god saw the light and it was good and god separated the light from the darkness so god called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning on the first day in the very beginning of the bible when god is he is organizing the world when he is Putting creation forward. He creates a rhythm. He says that there is a circadian rhythm to the world. There is night and then there is day. There is resting and rising. There is evening and there is morning. And once this is created, it is a part of every other facet of creation that you see. Now, don't miss this. It is literally between the lines of Scripture. Every time God creates something, when God moves, when God speaks, and when God is bringing something about, Genesis over and over says in the evening and in the morning. It is if God is creating a rhythm that not only prepares us, but also reminds us that God is moving, that God is creating, and God is speaking. We tend to be very skeptical people when it comes to God, right? We want to make sure a lot of times that when people talk about God, we are not people who are gullible. We want to make sure every once in a while we like to kind of give a feel that we are skeptical because skeptical communicates reasonable. I don't know about you, but sometimes I won't buy something. On Amazon if there's not a bad review on it okay I need at least one bad review to be able to feel good that I made this purchase wisely some of us are skeptical to God moving creating and speaking when the Bible tells us that God sets a rhythm of moving creating and speaking And a lot of times, we actually close ourselves off. To be discerning is wise, but sometimes we close ourselves off being so skeptical that God could actually be moving about that oftentimes we train ourselves to actually not pay attention to the times that God is moving or speaking or creating. And at some point, we all have to make the choice of are we going to make choices and practices that help us be able to catch what God is doing in the world. So this is why I want to take just two weeks to talk about what does the Bible say about the evening and what does the Bible say about the mornings in such a way that we can catch a glimpse of what God may be doing in all of Our lives and at the end of each message i'm going to give what i call the david letterman top 10. okay i'm going to give you 10 practices although i only have five because this is a network television i only have five but i'm going to give you five things that you could practice as a rhythm in your morning or in your evening based off of what we see in the bible so the library of scripture contains all these different genres. And one of the genres where you see this rhythm of evening and morning happening is actually in the Psalms. This is a very common theme that happens. Let me show you a couple of them. Psalm 74 verse 16 literally lays this out. The day belongs to you. The night too. You establish both the moon and the sun. The psalmist echoes. There's evening and there's morning. Psalm 92 verse 2. It is good to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. And then we get to the next psalm that we heard read today by Claudia. In Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guards keep watch in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil. For while they sleep, he provides for his beloved. Did you notice that the psalmist, in starting this psalm, recognizes that it's not just visible work that's happening, but there is invisible work of God building and guarding. The good news for anyone to hear this morning is that there is a living breathing god who is guarding and is building not only in the psalmist life but in all of our lives. And the psalmist actually tells you that there is a tale tell of if you are trusting that god is guarding and building. It actually says it right here. It is in vain That someone rises up early and goes to bed late. They are eating the bread of anxious toil. If you want to know what you believe most often about God guarding and building something in your life, all you need to do is look at how you approach your evening. Who you trust, who you depend on, and how you approach your evening. The psalmist says those who can't rest, those who are just burning up energy, are ones who trust and depend on the visible work of themselves and not the invisible work of God. Have you ever considered that your evenings reveal more about you than you even want them to? There's this author by the name of Tish Warren who actually writes about how our evenings the time leading up to you going to sleep and actually sleeping, those times actually reveal your deepest love. Think about it this way. If you're a brand new parent, you stay up at night because you love that child. If you are a caretaker of a parent, you stay up late at night to go get that item that they're asking you to do or help them reboot their computer because they still don't know how to turn it on. If you care about the city, if you contribute to the safety of the community, you stay up at light. If you find connection with a friend you haven't seen in a long time, you stay up at night. We stay up for what we love. But not only do we stay up for our deepest loves, we also stay up for our most disordered loves as well, right? We stay up and we numb ourselves with entertainment. We watch SportsCenter over and over again, even though it's literally just telling us the same thing. We grab one more glass of wine at night, hoping it will help us sleep. We rummage the fridge to eat more. We stay late and we talk about people in ways that we don't talk about people during the day. We binge another show to be able to escape what we went through in our day. Our evenings are revealing. And not only do they reveal what our souls love, they also reveal to us where our next steps of soul work are with God. That there is an invitation of how we spend our evenings that actually prepares us to what God is wanting to do in our lives. And the good news waiting for all of us this evening is the final line that the psalmist says. Now, many of your translations in this last line of it actually probably read something to the equivalent of, uh, you know, but for his beloved, he gives Sleep. And at first glance, you read that and you're like, wait, 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 wait. If I'm not getting deep sleep, does that mean I'm not deeply loved by God? It's like some nights that may feel like that. But if you look at your Bible, there's actually a reference down at the bottom that actually helps with what the connotation actually means by it. Another way to read that verse is to say, for he provides for his beloved dearing sleep. The good news that you can come to know and accept is that there is a God who is guarding, who is building, and who is working even when you are not working. You experience every evening a reminder of this reality. You spend one-third of your life sleeping. You physically spend one-third of your life having to depend on someone outside of yourself. In other words, evenings can actually provide us this physical prompting to the practical dependence on God. Even the way God designs a day leads us towards this. I want you to think about this. Most of the time when we talk about a day, we tend to think of from sunup till sundown. Now, the Hebrew Bible actually does not talk about a day where it is sun up to sun down. You will see every time there's a reference in the Old Testament to a day, you'll hear it's evening and then it's morning. That the day starts with the evening and then goes through the morning. This is the pattern of it. We say things to ourselves like, you've worked really hard today. So you deserve some rest. Mm-mm. That's not the way the Bible structures a day. It flips it. The first part of how you spend your day is doing nothing. You get the gift of mornings after you have received the gift of the evening. We think that we work hard to rest when the Bible tells us that a day, we rest in able to work. We do not work In our lives, just so we can have Jesus' favor, we actually rest in the work of Jesus to prepare us and propel us for the work that Jesus has before us. This is consistent, even in the beginning pages of Scripture. Two places I'd love to go that I just can't because of time this morning, but I just want to note to you, when the Bible is telling the story of God, there are two references to deep sleep in there the first one is actually with adam says that adam went into deep sleep and what god does is god actually provides a partner god provides eve i want you to think of the first thing when adam wakes up is he receives the gift and blessing of god in genesis 15 with abram this one who god's made a promise to He falls in a deep sleep. And in this sleep, he receives the promise and covenant of God. In essence, what I'm trying to say is in evenings, we prepare to depend, rely, and receive the work of God that is in our lives. Evenings are a time in which our bodies literally trust that God is working even when we are not. So I want to give just five different rhythms, just five practices of how you could be attentive to God in the evening and also depend on God in the evening. Now, I've learned some things about our church now, and uh, I want to provide two caveats before I give these lists of five items. Uh, One, it just needs to be said with this. uh, I'm not speaking to anyone who wrestles with a sleeping disorder of any kind. Your love for God and also God's love for you is not measured in your struggles with sleep. I want to say that. The second thing, and this is for most of us in the room, I'm going to give you five rhythms, and they're just five rhythms, okay? And what I, what I want you to hear is when we're in different seasons, we need different rhythms, okay? So I may say a rhythm and you're like, Psh! yeah right like that ain't gonna happen in my life check out okay just disregard the rhythm okay everyone needs a different rhythm depending on the different season of life that they're in and also some of you are going to hear these here and be like i'm too important of a person to be able to do this okay don't give me that one all right just move on or modify a rhythm okay i've said enough caveats here we go all right this is your david letterman top five Here's different practices to consider this week. If you're a note taker, this is the moment. All right. This is your time to shine. All right. Number one. Number one. Nail down. What if you were to consider actually nailing down a bedtime in life? Okay. One thing I want to note to you that's very interesting about the life of Jesus in the Gospels. No, Jesus did not have a consistent bedtime from what we can tell, Okay, although I, lo- I think he loved some shut-eye. Um, you don't see Jesus with the bedtime, but here's one thing you do see. It's interesting in the Gospels that most of the time when people expect Jesus to be asleep, he's awake. And when people expect Jesus to be awake, he's actually asleep. Can I point you to when he's sleeping on the boat? Can I point you to when he's in the garden? That usually when Jesus is expected to be asleep, he's awake. And when he's awake, expected to be asleep. That Jesus took time to prepare and rest to be attentive to the work that God was calling him to. So here's what I'd say. For anyone who hears a bedtime and they're like, right, have you lived life? Life circumstances do not allow a consistent bedtime in life. I completely understand But when a circumstance is not arising, when there's not a need, why not consistently go to bed to prepare yourself for when God may call you to do something inconsistent? You know, it's extremely contradictory. Most of us have a firm wake-up time. We have to be up at a certain time. But very few of us actually treat a bedtime like it is also a fixed time in our lives. None of us would say to our boss, you know, I I get in somewhere between 8.30 and 9.30. Or at least we don't keep that job very long if we say that. In the words of John Ortberg, sometimes the most spiritual things you could do is actually just set a bedtime. Don't stay up later. Okay, so that was the first one. Number five, nail down a bedtime. Here's number two. What if you were to have a process of turning down? There is uh, one Christian that's remembered throughout history. His name is St. John of the Cross. And he has this writing, this beautiful line that's been reflected on. And I have it right here for you. My house now being stilled. Christians have actually taken this line and they've made a very practical rhythm of taking time at night to actually turn down your house and use it as a way of praying to God it's interesting most of us treat our bodies like light switches we go a hundred miles per hour and at the very end of the day we're just supposed to drop into bed and start sleeping I have a friend who is a sleep doctor in my writing cohort and literally the number one thing that he says he prescribes all the time is not more medicine it's not more techniques he literally tells people you have to start a process of winding down at night. What would it look like for you to develop a rhythm with God of when you turn down your house, you also turn down and still your heart? What if you actually prayed for the kids while you were packing their lunches for the next day? What if when you locked your door, you actually prayed for your neighbors around you? What if as you turn off your lights or put those blankets away that your wife never puts up? What if you pray for those people? That one wasn't a relevant example, but what if you took that rhythm and actually turned down your house and used it as a prayer rhythm? Okay, that was the second one. Turn down your house. Here's number three. What if you were to put down the device? Put down the device. I love in the Gospels, that literally at one point when Peter draws a sword and he chops the ear off of a guy, I love that Jesus is literally like, "Put the sword down." Okay, it it sounds like he's my grandfather being like, "Put that thing down before it hurts you." You know, I wonder if Jesus would come to some of us and be like, "That thing in your pocket, put it down. It's more dangerous than you even know it." To be. Thinkers like Andy Crouch have helped us that our bodies are not like our phones. Your devices do not need rest like you do. 50 years ago, people were not as accessible to you, and you did not have as much accessibility to the world as you do now. What if we were to simply I know, some of you are going to push back. What if we were to simply put our phones to bed before we go to bed ourselves? Many of our apps, they are literally manufactured like slot machines. If you refresh your phone, you are pulling it down. It is literally trying to get you to receive something else. I wonder what we'd receive from the Lord if we went to Him instead of receiving more posts, more texts, and more shows. That was number three. What if you put down the phone this week? Number four, what if you doubled down on your impulses? Okay, let me provide you some imagery from Nehemiah. Nehemiah, in the book of Nehemiah, they're literally building this wall, and it says, the people of God built by day, and they guarded by night. Brothers and sisters, we are fooling ourselves if we do not think we are subsistible That's a hard word. If, (laughs) If we're not vulnerable to things at night that we are not as vulnerable to in the day. When we get quiet, when we find ourselves lonely, when we find ourselves fatigued, we open ourselves up to things. And they're not always good things. The reality for some of us is often at night we can convince ourselves that if I have one more glass of alcohol, if I fall asleep to pornography, then that will actually help me in the evening. It's actually been clinically proven that, yes, alcohol may actually help you fall asleep, but it does not help you consistently stay asleep. In the evenings, when the world gets quiet, we have the chance to depend on the power of god we have a chance when our impulses arise to do soul work with god and ask what's the deeper desire that's happening underneath here what are the triggers that bring about this temptation for me what if this week for some of us the first step would just be to speak out loud to someone. These are the impulses that I wrestle with when the evenings hit. That's number four. What if we were to double down on our impulses? And here's the last one. What if we were to jot down our prayers in the evening? You ever been like really wrapped up in worry and like someone comes alongside you and they're like, hey, don't worry, trust in the Lord. How'd that go for you? Are you still friends with that person? Did you cut them off? Like when you are worried when someone comes in and says, hey, don't worry, the Lord's got you. You're like, that's great. That didn't change anything in here though. <laughs> Usually what happens is we do this to each other. We tell each other, depend on God. And then we still feel guilty when we're still worried about the thing we were worried about before we even said that. One of the ways we cultivate deep dependence on God is we remind ourselves how we've depended on God in the past. To actually jog our memory by jotting down a few gratitudes or moments where God has strengthens us, actually strengthens us in the moment. When we remember how God's taking care of us in the past, we may actually remember that this same God will take care of us in the present. What if we were to take our evenings and actually remember the faithfulness and goodness of God to prepare for it the next time? To actually be with God in the evenings and reflect on how He has been with us. As, uh, as I was writing the closing of this sermon, I, I couldn't help but think of uh, a town that most of you probably have never been to. It's very close by here, by Ranrock. Uh, the town's name is Georgetown. And uh, I actually lived there growing up. Uh, and then I moved away for 10 years, and then I came back, and when I drive through Georgetown, I think the thing that amazes me the most is that there's just construction everywhere, okay? It's like everyone in Austin heard like, hey, Georgetown's the place to be, right? And it, it tickles me every time I drive around Georgetown because there's one builder and I I I know the family. I played ball with them. Uh, it's Novak, and he has these signs all throughout Georgetown. And the signs just say, they don't just say Novak Construction, they say Another Novak Project, Another Novak Work Site. And it just tickles me every time because it feels like a power move to be able to say this is another project. If you think we're building something, Novak's name is on it. And it gets me every time. But I think these signs are kind of like signposts to the work of God. If you take time in your rhythm in the evenings to recognize the work of God, you start to walk around and you start to see signs of God's work all around us. I wonder if some of us need a prayer life that actually brings us to the place where we walk around and we see another God project, another God site and project. Could you imagine that person who gets on your nerves, if you saw them and you actually thought, that's one of the places where God's grace is working on that person What about that family member that you're about to see for Thanksgiving this week? What if you actually saw them with the grace of God? What if the place that you avoid the most in the week is actually the place where God is looking to challenge and form you? This is what's waiting for us in our evenings. To recognize the work of God in the day and in the night. To depend on God who is guarding and building us when we rest and when we rise and to praise Him with all of creation for giving us the grace of an evening and a morning. I want to invite uh, our elder to come up and bless us today. Let me pray for us. So God, we we want to recognize You and the different ways that You are renewing us day by day as You say in Your Word. Holy Spirit, may You help us to see it Help us to say yes to those invitations. And we recognize your love that sustains us in the evenings and in the mornings. We pray this in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.